0: With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible.
1: What's up Chiefs Kingdom nothing like a little Denver Broncos LA Chargers Monday night football game to make you feel better about a Chiefs loss for those who missed it overtime consisted of 16 plays between those two teams for a total of 16 yards Broncos had negative nine net passing yards in second half or overtime the Chargers won that game on a muffed punt required or Chargers won that game after a muffed punt required them to only have to kick a field goal and gain no yardage to win the game. What a time to be alive. Russell Wilson under contract for another three years after this, by the way. Appreciate you for tuning in to this episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs video and podcast from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, and it's Tuesday, which means we will be joined by our guy, Nate Taylor from The Athletic, for our five burning questions. And let's not waste any time right now and let's get right into it. You can find him on Twitter at by Nate Taylor. Nate. First burning questions. We're getting right into this. We're not wasting any time because I saw you tweet this last night and it just was a perfect, perfect intro, perfect segue question. And this first burning question comes from a one Holly Taylor. <laughs> quote, they put this trash on Monday Night Football.
2: Yes. Why?
1: Why do they keep. Sub- I know. I think I know the answer, but give me your why do they keep subjecting us to Russell Wilson and this AFC West that was supposed to be so good?
2: Yeah, it was supposed to be so good. Look, we we convinced TV executives to stop thinking about the NFC East. You know how hard that is to be like no, you know, not putting the Cowboys on prime time all the time or hey, you know, the Giants and the Eagles and the and the I guess Commanders, I mean, let's remove them from the discussion entirely, but yeah. we we convinced TV executives that like the most entertaining, the most storylines were in the west coast and man russell wilson it is just he's played one good quarter of football and we saw it last night bj um that yeah. i appreciate that my wife just grinded through you know like there's no <laughs> there's no there's nothing after this you know so for her to ask i think the question that everybody was asking and it's so funny for me to like put it out there just so like hey this is we, we are also suffering with you on Twitter or on social media as you go through this game. Because, look, I have to watch that game because it sort of matters for my job, right? I have to understand yeah. what's going on with the teams in the division. Holly is aware of this. Um, she remembers when Russell Wilson was, like, really good and fun to watch and, like, took the Seahawks to, like, heights they had never really been before. Man, when it goes, it goes quickly in this sport. And I'm not saying that, like, Russell Wilson – is comparable to like what Chiefs fans experienced with Daniel Sorensen. But wow. it is really fascinating for a quarterback to essentially be playing through injuries, to not make good decisions. And for the offensive lines for both teams to just like sort of collapse at the most important times of the game. Um, you know, there were some people that are saying, hey, at least I feel better about the Chiefs offensive line after watching as you said, BJ, no one can move the football in, like, the middle of the fourth quarter or in overtime. Uh, I don't know how we did this, but we're never getting TV executives back, BJ. I
1: mean, <laughs> no, I was going to say. We're never
2: getting them back. Like, they're going to be like, okay, the formula – see, this is why we created a formula for, like, Cowboys. <laughs> what are the Cowboys doing? Okay, then it's like Giants, Eagles, you know – uh, the Chiefs will obviously be relevant because they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, but the Raiders The Raiders thought they had us. They, the, the Raiders got us with Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. The, the Chargers, I thought, made every appropriate move that was available to them with a yeah. star quarterback on a rookie contract. They didn't play J.C. Jackson yesterday, V.J. They just said sit <sighs> Sit over there like you're not helping us in coverage. Um, And then, of course, the Broncos made probably the most desperate move because they were the most desperate team in the division with uh, giving not only Russell Wilson uh, a new contract, but basically um, being so lustful for Aaron Rodgers that they hired Nathaniel Hackett with no guarantee that they were going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And now you're stuck with this uncomfortable pairing where, yeah, we we all have to ask ourselves how much of this trash do I have to do I have to watch? And unfortunately, the Broncos were you playing in London? I guess you could choose to stay asleep for that game. And yeah. when they do play the Chiefs, at least as of now, they're scheduled to be in prime time. So like, oh my god, <laughs> I I know, but like, yeah, my wife is like, so like they don't have first round picks, right? And I go, yeah, they don't they don't have second, no, they don't have second round picks either.
1: He's under contract for another three he's a, years.
2: He's under contract for how long? And I was like, well, for like three to four. Uh is yeah. he is he good anymore? Not right now. Uh what can they do? Probably fire the coach? Like yeah. or like fire everyone? Because like <laughs> it's under new ownership. So Look, when my wife is out here saying this is trash, like you've you've lost everybody Uh, because my wife is pretty generous when it comes to like, hey, this is entertaining. This is football. I enjoy it. But no, man, she was was disgusted with last night's outcome.
1: I was sitting there watching last night. I don't know why. If it's like a really good football game between good teams, like I'm following on on social media, you know, put my kids to bed and everything. Exactly. Yes. You know, I – I don't, for whatever reason, it doesn't entice me to want to go watch like great football games between a couple of teams like in the NFC. Like I don't really care about. Uh, this was a little different because obviously the game's you know AFC West division, but again, people just talking about how bad it was. <laughs> it was such a weird thing though because the first quarter, all of the Russell Wilson defenders came out, mm-hmm. and it, on social yeah. media, it was like, "We told you so. You don't doubt this guy." And then just like, like freezing cold takes. It was like first quarter to second half. It was like, we told you, like you, you were too quick. Like you got to let it breathe a little bit uh, before you get there. But, um, but yeah, it's, (laughs) it is interesting to watch. And like you said, maybe when you lose it, you just lose it. I was watching the the video that Jeff Schwartz uh, broke down Mm. on social media. And he was like, these are basic passing protection rules. And he's kind of explaining what Russell should know as a quarterback uh, at a very basic level at the NFL. And he's just not seeing it, not doing it the right way or, Throw some conspiracies out there. He really is in Pete Carroll's pocket, and they're just trying to give them a top, top two draft pick. I think they're already in the top five right now. I mean, we, uh, can't be, we, can't this, we can't be
2: this. We can't. We can't. be this far into conspiracy road, <laughs> guys. <laughs> put the car. In listen,
1: <laughs> listen. You tell me how we got here, but all I can oh tell you as a Chiefs fan is that there were so many tweet. There were so many receipts that needed to be gathered that I will go back and. Twitter advanced Twitter search all of these tweets from everyone in the division from Raiders fans to Broncos, Chargers, everybody coming for the king with all the moves that they were making, winning the offseason. Congratulations, here's your trophy. Uh, your you know 20 million dollar cornerback isn't even playing in prime time.
2: And of course, Joey Bosa, unfortunately, is hurt. Which takes away the the advantage of having Khalil Mack, you know, having that pair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I said it in like one of our first videos, BJ. I needed to see it from the Broncos. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Like I just I, I trust the I trust the Chargers because that quarterback is young and, and still probably ascending, maybe at a slower pace than we anticipated. Um there's really no change in the Raiders, and I, and I needed to. I needed to see it in the Broncos, and and They're,
1: I don't like Bronco's what I'm defense, seeing. Broncos defense is good. Like I, I will take that. Like I think their defense is pretty good.
2: Who have they played, BJ?
1: I'm not going there. I'm trying to who find some they, silver lining Who
2: lines. have they played? Geno Smith was cooking them for a half. Now, now probably don't
1: don't knock Geno Smith.
2: That's what I'll I'm saying. Geno Smith is the best quarterback they've played outside of obviously um what they did yesterday he's leaving
1: multiple passing categories i go back to my analysis from like a decade ago geno smith was my guy is geno
2: smith the new like you know rich gannon like what what is happening
1: uh you told me to put the car in park
2: (laughs) (laughs) i i i just wanted to say that um (laughs) doesn't necessarily mean i believe it but yeah like Outside, I mean, they they did do well with Justin yeah. Herbert yesterday. But I I don't know. Like, here's the thing that, like, will really develop between end of October to early November. Will that defense be so demoralized because they know, oh, we just have, we, we have, we just have to get shut out? We can't let anybody get in the end zone? Like, if that will have a cumulative effect. Um, yeah. But, yeah, their defense is good. But I also think they haven't played the better – they haven't played the top quarterbacks really until yesterday, sure. and they still got beat because they realize that the offense is not complimenting them really at all, except for that first quarter.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to some chief stuff here. Um, as we get on to our second question, uh, and this is um something that you're probably prepared for if you check social media this morning. But per mm-hmm. ESPN's field yates. This tweet is from him. The Chiefs have restructured the contract of all-pro tight end Travis Kelsey, converting base salary into a signing bonus to clear $3.455 million in cap space per source. Mm -hmm. Nate, what does it mean?
2: All right, BJ. Um, This is where I I put on my executive front Mm -hmm. office sort of cap. And, you know, one of the first conversations we had way back before training camp was like, the thing I'm trying to get better at is understanding – the layers of said moves for the team. Um, this is pretty simple. BJ, was Pat, was, uh, not Patrick, was was Travis going to make this money this year? Yeah. Yes. So no. it's an easy decision. Like, no. I think it actually uh, helps Travis and his agents feel better. It's just like, oh, well, we're, we're just going to get that money now. Great. You're just going to cut us a check. Cool. Um, it does create cap space, and they do need it because you always want to be in you always want to be at the table when it comes to the trading deadline and we've seen a trade already for various reasons cuz <laughs> it's an absolute i mean is it a garage sale in carolina or is it just like come and just take it off the curb um
1: we'll find out with Brian Burns
2: and this is where it's headed so if it comes to a Brian Burns conversation, you would you at least want to be at the table. You at least want to have some flexibility to say, hey, we are we are a possible destination or a possible trading partner. Um, you know, a lot of people will ask in the next couple of weeks. I think you could still if if I were representing uh, Odell Beckham Jr., I would wait till after the trading deadline. You, you don't want to necessarily be in the mix right now you want to be in it more as you get closer to like the middle of November. And obviously you would have a better sense of what teams can offer you from a salary cap standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, All this means is that the chiefs now have more cap flexibility that they could potentially do something. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll do something, but they do have money of which to spend that they did not have earlier. And, If you do not use that money, BJ, what I try to tell people all the time is uh, much of this season, much of the Tyree Kill trade was about long-term thinking. Yep. You can save this money that you just created if a deal doesn't come together, if you don't want to give up a future draft pick, if you don't want to necessarily, you know, like let's say Sky Moore blossoms over the next month. Well, then maybe there's less of a need for Odell Beckham Jr. Well, you can roll that money into next year's salary cap, and that gives you a bigger cushion so that you are a bigger player For free agency. Now, I know it's only, you know, three or four million, but every little dollar matters. I mean, anybody who's going through a budget will understand if you give me extra dollars, I can now save it or spend it um, in a different way than I had anticipated earlier. So it's more of an accounting thing right now, but it does give the Chiefs a chance to sort of say, hey, you know, does Brian want to play for us? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have draft picks. We have multiple draft picks in certain rounds that are still considered valuable. So I'm just saying, you know, if if there's a chance and you want to just get rid of everybody, then Kansas City is at least within the mix compared to maybe, you know, eight to 12 other teams in the league.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, before the end of this video, and some more positions and different things with, uh, in regards to the trade deadline, because I think you mentioned the name right there, Odell Beckham, and it's not just mm-hmm. the name; it's the receiver that can beat man coverage, and Sky Moore also. If he's Hello. <laughs> the alarm. <laughs> Even the dogs going <laughs> <want>
2: obj. Okay.
1: <laughs> they heard they're they are into the idea <laughs> of the other obj coming yeah, to. If you
2: If you, you can tell City. me he's healthy. Like, if he's fully healthy or getting close to healthy, and he can still beat man covers the way he did last year, then, yeah, you're you're on to something here, BJ.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. We had the storyline or we had the talking point going into the game against Buffalo that Buffalo had – played 85% zone coverage on the year. One of the played more zone than just about anybody else in the NFL. And the chiefs had faced more man coverage than any other team in the NFL. And like, which one was going to meet in the middle? Like was mm-hmm. Buffalo just going to keep doing what they were doing. Uh, it's the reason that we talked about Travis Kelsey's is going to have a big day. This is a game right. that Juju Smith Schuster may have a big game. He's a zone coverage intermediate across the middle type guy. Yep. And we saw that, but even though they played a lot of zone, I think it was like 53% zone. Buffalo played more man coverage against the chiefs than they had all year. And that's just telling you that what the coaches and the people scheming this up are seeing against the chiefs offense is you want to play man coverage against these guys. They need to find some people that can go out and beat man yeah. coverage consistently and not make trav or not make Patrick Mahomes necessarily go God mode all the time to complete passes and all these different ways. Um, you know, scrambling out of the pocket, throwing sidearm and all these very tight windows. Go right. get somebody that can beat man coverage consistently. And we know um Odell Beckham is one of those guys. Um all right, let's move on to the third question. Actually, before we move on to the third question, I know it's really exciting to sit here and talk about all these uh, potential trades and additions and all these things. But uh, you can make every play feel this exciting with drafting mm. Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can bet any 5 can make any $5 bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up. Same game parlays. Nate, and looking ahead, the Chiefs are three-point favorites on the road against the 49ers on Sunday with an over-under of 48 Points to make things even sweeter. You can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Nate, sticking with that theme of the trade deadline, if the Chiefs are going to make a trade, is it going to be – give me a top – give me a one, two, three priority. Pass rush, offensive tackle, other.
2: Mm. Um. It's probably pass rush, then other, then tackle. Guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, I don't know how rare it is for teams to trade for an offensive tackle in the middle of the season – it, I don't think it's happened since I've started covering the league. BJ, are you aware of such a situation?
1: Uh, not off the top of my head.
2: Yeah. Not, not one that immediately comes to mind. Um, and you have to think like last year, cause OBJ I think was released and then he signed with the Rams. Um, yeah. But you could basically call that a similar mid mid season move. Uh, obviously the chiefs signed Josh Gordon last year. Um, I just get the sense that, like, it's usually corners, pass rushers, and receivers who are easy to sort of trade in the middle of the season. Now, you have to simplify for some of those guys, obviously, when they come to their new teams. Um, Running back has been kind of devalued or re-understood as a a position in football that you don't see a lot of trades involving running backs. Usually it is just a release and a pickup elsewhere. Situation, but obviously, people are going to be fascinated with Christian McCaffrey because this contract situation makes him a little more, um, makes it a little bit more, te- you know, tenuous to move him or it's tedious from a cap standpoint. Like, one of the things to ask the, the, the Panthers is, look, if you want to go to like the Chicago Bears levels and you want to strip this thing all the way down, by the way, Bears at least have a quarterback that might be good, uh, Carolina. Doesn't have anything. So if you want to really strip this thing down, how much are you willing to yeah. eat some salary, right? That was yeah. the big thing for Von Miller when he went to the Rams last year. Was like the the Broncos had to eat salary mm. while also getting uh you know a, a, a draft pick basically in exchange for it. Now with the Chiefs, I don't think the tackle situation is is going to be there. Um, if you look around the league, you know pressure rates are in essence, going up because I think teams are not blitzing as much because they're getting home easier with just traditional yeah. pass rushing. So everybody is looking for tackle help, or at least for more consistency from their tackles by and large. So I don't think you're going to get a trait there. The other, I think is receiver, which I would put in that sort of two category. Sure. Um, you know, obviously that's, you know, not necessarily Odell Bell or Odell Beckham Jr. Cause he's obviously a free agent, but like you could, you could, look around and just see, like, is there a receiver that is possibly on the market that you want to give, you know, a decent amount of, you know, draft capital to, to, to do. Um, but I would put that in the other category more so than running back, Um, unless the Panthers are going to just eat salary uh, to get off of Christian McCaffrey. And then lastly, like, it goes to Burns. Like, where mm-hmm. does Burns want to play? That would be the most fascinating to me is, like, okay – um, the Panthers really have no incentive to keep you, so the issue yeah. becomes: Can you find a trade partner that you're comfortable with as a player, and they're willing to give the asset to make the deal? Um, really to you know to consummate the deal. Um, for the Chiefs, I don't know how that necessarily is going to work. I mean, they made a a smaller move with obviously bringing Carlos Dunlap into the mix. Uh, Frank Clark has had another sort of roller coaster season where he's been you know you know fluctuating. Um, in terms of his player, his production at times. And, yeah, everything sort of falls on Chris Jones, especially now with Turk Wharton, you know, not being there to be more of a depth piece for the defensive line. So I think the Chiefs will likely try to get more pass rushing help because that is what Steve Spagnuolo obviously prioritized most in his defensive philosophy. Um, but, again, after saying all that, I'm not going to be surprised if the Chiefs don't make a trade. If the Chiefs stay pat or if they understand that like a deal didn't come perfectly together the way they want it, and they just say, we have to think about not only this year, but future years, obviously with the Mahomes contract, with obviously trying to extend their, their reign in the AFC, um, and you don't want to necessarily make you know, rash decisions or a decision now that mm. may not be beneficial to you in December, January, and perhaps early February.
1: Yeah, and talking about Brian Burns, I was just looking up his contract situation because he is on the last year of his rookie deal, but he has exercised the 5th year option mm-hmm. um, through Carolina, which guarantees him $16 million uh, next season. And looking at him, he's got four sacks already this year, had nine sacks last year, nine sacks in 2020, seven and a half in 2019. So he's a mm-hmm. solid player. Um, yeah. But one of the other things, and you know this as well as anyone uh, being around the team and being around coach, uh, and Brett um, to a huge extent on the way that they like to uh, make sure they're very strategic with how they throw around big contracts. And, you know, you make a trade like that. And if you give up any kind of an asset for a Brian Burns, it might not be a one-year rental um, right. where you want to give some sort of an extension and keep them around long-term. It's a really mm-hmm. hard thing to do for a player that you personally don't know how he's going to fit into the locker room. You don't know his work habits. Mm-hmm. You don't know the way he b- goes about his business and that, reverberates around the locker room if you give a big contract to a guy that hadn't stepped in that locker room yet he comes in and doesn't fit in that's a really bad culture type move and those are the things that the Chiefs just do not do that sometimes kind of get lost when you get look on paper and it's like okay pass rush help pass rusher connect the dots here we go there's so much more to it Um, Mm -hmm. they can do it without having to give the big deal make him come in and show that he can buy in and check his work habit work habits and how he gets along with his teammates and coaches and all those kinds of things and it's a perfect fit awesome um you know there's people on the staff that have worked with him before um don't know you'd really have to dig into it uh to learn a little bit about him and that's why you have scouts that's why you got all those guys but uh one of those interesting things in talking about trading for guys that could require um a pretty big investment you got to be aware of those things as well all right let's move on to the fourth burning question and we know we got Willie Gay Jr. back in the building saw his Instagram post um he's obviously excited to be back but I want to ask you more about the cornerback coming back that we've only seen basically play for a half a quarter so far this season Mm -hmm. in the first pick in the draft for the Chiefs this past year and Trent McDuffie um I know it's hard because you know stats with cornerbacks and all of that but what should a realistic expectation be for Trent McDuffie coming back to this Chiefs defense? Because we know Steve Spagnuolo likes to be aggressive. He likes to send the house anyway, even if it's because you can't get pressure without sending the house. (laughs) But either way, he's an aggressive guy, and that puts those cornerbacks on an island a lot. Um, So talking about Trent McDuffie, what should be a realistic expectation be for what Chiefs fans should expect when he gets back out on the field?
2: Yeah, um, BJ, I'm going to be a little bit building some stuff off of what we learned in the draft, right. Or what we can sort of translate and hopefully pull in. Um, It's a little bit interesting to know that like trick McDuffie was excellent. You know, he didn't give up a target in the Arizona Cardinals game before obviously his left hamstring injury. What, what, what I think might make this so interesting is that, you know, the chiefs by and large are known as a man to man coverage team, a press man team. Um, that's why they drafted Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. Well, one of the more versatile players on the defense could actually be Trent McDuffie, which could sort of change some of the coverage schemes on the back end, right? Um, you know, Legerea sneak in play zone. Obviously, you have two quality safeties in Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill. Um, you are never going to be tested quite like you were last week against the Buffalo Bills. I, I truly believe that in terms of quarterback and collection of receivers. But I do think McDuffie probably adds a a, a little bit more versatility and like, Hey, maybe you can play some mix and matching zones. Obviously he has the fluidity. um, If he's fully healthy to be someone who can obviously be excellent in man coverage too. But I get the sense that like, it just gives a little less of a need to perhaps blitz from Steve Spagnuolo. And From a ball skill standpoint, you know, Joshua Williams in the locker room Sunday told me, BJ, I've got to execute better. And what he meant by that was I got to get more of a press on Gabriel Davis on that deep shot because Mm -hmm. it's going to take time similar like it was for Traveris Ward in years one and two to get his head around to be comfortable locating the ball and improving his ball skills. That has not been an issue for Trick McDuffie. We saw in training camp quite a bit that he was one of the better cornerbacks on the roster, whether that's with, you know, LeJair Steed and Rashad Fenton at locating the ball, getting his eyes on the ball, and actually trying to make a play on it. Um, And so if you're in a similar situation moving forward, hopefully Trick McDuffie can get his head around quicker and can make a play on the ball instead of just trying to rely so much on the physical gifts of pressing and obviously having – speed to stay with the receiver hip for hip. Um, I just love the idea that with Nick Duffy and the hopeful return of Brian Cook, who was in the concussion protocol, they can do mix and matching more based on what the other team presents on offense. And that's something that they couldn't do against the Buffalo Bills. It's like, hey, Joshua Williams, he's going to be in this spot. Jalen Watson is going to be in that spot. And you know that LeJarious Steed is basically going inside out Based on obviously his experience and just his overall talent. Um, re-watching the game, BJ, they really never tested Lageria Sneed because why mm-hmm. would you why why? We we have a rookie on the outside and another rookie on the outside. I think with Trent McDuffie, Legarius Sneed, we'll see what happens with Rashawn Fenton because he needs to obviously improve if he comes back from his own hamstring injury, is that they could do a little bit more mixing and matching and they could probably play more elaborate zone coverage while also still having man principles uh, at their, you know, at their disposable on in the secondary.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people have made the point that there's no such thing like no moral victories, nothing like that, but they held Buffalo to 24 points mm-hmm. with not a full squad with a lot of young guys uh, still early in the season.
2: Say it, say it again, BJ, because I won't I won't <clears throat> to hear this. Like, just like, I know we're however many minutes into the show, but like, how many points did the Chiefs give up on Sunday to like the number two offense in the league?
1: 24 with a missed field goal, uh, red zone interception from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, there were a handful of plays. We talked about this on. We had a show called 10 Things I did yesterday on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go check that out there were a handful of plays that you take back that people forget about after the game we talk about the the missed field goal that's an easy one to remember you remember the michael burton play Uh, the only play that went to michael burton that's a touchdown
2: that that i'm gonna go back it is a touchdown yeah seth kaiser obviously my 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 dear friend and colleague at the athletic you know who does our our times ours podcast he believes that too bj he he was obviously at the game on sunday Uh, um he he made the 10-hour drive and the 10-hour drive (laughs) back (laughs)
1: I saw your guys' pictures
2: well, out at uh, poor, Char Bar. Yeah, yeah poor, poor Seth. <laughs> he was like, now I have to get in the car and drive for 10 hours? Um, but that's all he talked about after the game was like, Nate, it was the perfect play call or the perfect, yeah. you know, audible to that play. Michael Burton is so wide open. <laughs> yeah. And they fi- uh, that was
1: early in the fourth quarter and they kicked a field goal. I mean, that was at the tw- – mm-hmm. it was first and 10 from the 26. Mm-hmm. And they ended up kicking a 44-yard field goal. They lost a yard after that play on that drive overall <laughs> with everything that had happened, but between that yeah. and then the Creed Humphrey on the RPO that kind of got stalled out a little bit. They got called on the MVS touchdown. They got called back because of the penalty. Mm-hmm. And that was the same drive that Patrick Mahomes ended up throwing the interception. So again, there's these hidden plays and that's what the margin of error is. But you know, Take it for what it's worth, and everybody can feel really upset knowing that. Damn, now we're not going to host the AFC title game again. And I think Nick Wright called the Arrowhead Invitational. <laughs> that's <laughs> of what it's been for the last four years. But you got to go to Buffalo if that ends up being the worst case right. of this game. You lost to another juggernaut in this NFL, in this league. But make no mistake, that's a those are two teams on a completely different tier. There is no, I think somebody said this on social media. There's no other boogeyman. There's nobody you have to worry about, like, oh, what about this other team? Like, no, that's the team. And you just went toe-to-toe with them without some of your people. Mm -hmm. Now, to to be fair, they didn't have Micah Hyde. They didn't have Tredavious White. And so they weren't at full strength either. These teams are very close, and we're talking about a handful of plays making the difference. So um, if you're looking for a game to be super upset about afterwards, like, for me, that ain't it. Like, I'm not feeling great about losing a game, but – uh, I don't feel like they're that far off either. And we got a bunch of young guys and we're getting some of our better, better players back. So
2: yeah, I'm not worried it, about it. it. It really makes for a great rivalry, right? Cause you just, you just know that like both of these teams are capable of winning now. Like there's no more like, Hey, this team was established and this was an up and coming team that, that needed the playoff experience. I needed to get blown out in that, that AFC championship game a couple years ago. Um, but last year's, Last year proved it, right? That they are on equal, they are on equal status, equal tiers. To your point, um, point. Yep. and look, BJ, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go online shopping, man. I'm ready to like give <laughs> me the biggest puffy coat you've ever seen, because because <laughs> Buffalo is one of the few places I have yet to see a game because uh, we really? just played. Yeah, oh, yeah. When they played when they played Buffalo in 2020 in the rain. That was during the pandemic season, so obviously I watched yep. from home. I didn't really travel. to to road games that that season because we didn't have a vaccine at the time uh god bless our you know medical experts with with that being said like yeah it's like one of the few places I haven't been is to to Orchard Park is to you know AT&T Stadium because the Chiefs uh you know only play the 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 Cowboys like once every four years so like there's like maybe four or five cities that I haven't been to that I haven't seen a game in person But, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to get my Timberlands out. I'm ready to get my big coat. I'm ready to wear, like, the puffiest, like, can I get, like, a, you know, can I get, like, a, you know, a European, like, just gigantic hat to, like, cover my ears? It's gonna be. You're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. Oh, my God, it's gonna be. I'll tell you what,
1: in six years working at the Chiefs, and I think I made it to all but, like, obviously those last two, if I would have stayed two more years, then we would have, I would have been at every stadium, besides Mm. the new ones that opened up in between. Uh, But, buffalo ended up it was actually one of my favorite trips that we ever took oh. um to go anywhere and i don't remember it was just we ran into a bunch of chiefs fans. we actually ran into john stoner um who at that time everybody knew as like cat suit guy uh a bunch <laughs> of chiefs fans and dan joined a bunch of guys that traveled up there we ran into them at anchor bar which now looking back is like the very touristy like like the original <laughs> buffalo wing but we went i went there with um my buddy jordan he hung out after we had dri- Uh, taking an Uber to uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, It's only about 45 minutes to an hour. So it's like, I'm never going to come up here to visit. (laughs) So like, I might as well go see it while we're close. Uh, And it was cool. Like, it was really cool. We went there, came back, went to Anchor Bar, ran into Chiefs fans, and then just went like bar hopping for a little bit. Um, I think they played either afternoon or late the next day or just went out. Uh, but it was uh it was one of the more fun trips that we had just running the chiefs fans and hanging out with them but yeah buffalo it was one place that it just seemed like you talk about like a college atmosphere like i was sitting in the press box having like some fomo of watching the buffalo fans just have fun and party yeah. standing up the whole time having a good time like you love me some some buffalo fans a little bit uh nothing like chiefs kingdom but uh i've got no no qualms you know, with Buffalo fans, they always seem awesome. They take care of their own. There's a lot of examples of that. So yeah,
2: um, and they, and they look cool. they, they they want to experience what Chiefs fans have experienced, right? I think it's sometimes right. it gets lost in, in you know, on Chiefs fans, and that's that's okay because like you want your team to win, and like you feel like you're in the 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 greatest era of the franchise's history, which is true. Yeah, the Bills have never experienced this. Like the Bills, <laughs> the Bills have never hosted. Never hoisted the championship, so and they yeah. and they've never had a team this good. I believe, you know, with with obviously yeah. Von Miller in the mix, um, man, like they want to experience what you guys have experienced, and that again, that's what makes this rivalry really cool. It's just like I just have obviously you have a lot of respect for that team. Obviously, it's it's, it's Sean McDermott coming from Andy Ree's coaching tree. Like it's all right there. Like it it makes our job so easy from like a content standpoint. But, yeah, like, I'm I'm ready for the next the next chapter in the rivalry, and I truly believe that is going to Buffalo and seeing that rabid fan base maybe a game or two away from, from reaching the Super Bowl.
1: We talked about people that are, like, kind of our age, and, and if there's a fan base out there that can kind of understand what Chiefs fans have been through, it's Buffalo. Like, mm-hmm. there's the close – like, what was – I was just looking up to make sure I got the years right. 1990, 1991, 1992, 1993 <laughs> – Four years in a row of losing the Super in Bowl. The and I granted, Super you, Bowl. you mm. get the excitement of going in the hoop, like all of that, but you lose four years in a row is the only fan base that can understand the Chiefs side of things, where we forget about it now. The Chiefs have the NFL record for most playoff loss consecutive playoffs yes. in a row. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. There's the only <laughs> fan base that can understand it. And now we're on the other side of it. Right. and Be somewhat respectful of it. We don't want. You know, we're not going to let Buffalo take some of our, you know, golden right. years um, in and, that way. And I think we have any control over it. But uh, I've got a soft spot for Buffalo a little bit, just because if there's somebody that can understand what we've been through, it's um, it's them for sure.
2: They they gave they gave the trade right. They they consummated the trade. They yeah. Doug Whaley, shout out to him wherever he's doing is the is the executive that worked with yeah. kin with that worked with with Dorsey. Yep. Um, and neither one of those guys are with the organizations anymore, which is fascinating, but yeah. they are the ones that, that, that put that trade together. Obviously, Brett Beach is involved in you read. You all know the chief side of it. Yep. Um, but they gave the draft pick for Patrick, Mahomes, And then and that was set I up just, like a
1: week ahead of time.
2: Yeah. Like, it was right. done.
1: And then like every, I remember like John telling the story of like every pick. He's like, we're still good. We're still good. Are <laughs> oh, we still good? Are we still, are we still good?
2: good. <laughs> Please Lord. Um, so look Buffalo <laughs> helped the Chiefs acquire Patrick Mahomes um yeah. and I always thought that man the bills are just they're gonna be they're just gonna be a footnote to like this story in Chiefs history literally the next year they drafted Josh Allen and now we're here we're here yeah. it's 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 one of the more uh it's one of the better quarterback team rivalries that I can think of in modern NFL that is somewhat similar to like Cowboys 49ers of like the eighties and early nineties, okay. where it's just like one of these teams is going to be in the AOC championship and more times than not, both teams are going to be in the AOC championship game.
1: I just wish the quarterbacks hated each other. Like, I just <laughs> wish there was some animosity. <laughs> Josh Allen just seems like a good dude. Like seems yeah, like a cool dude. Yeah. He's golfing with Mahomes in the offseason, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like seems a good dude. All right, let's get to the final burning question i've got for you so chiefs next three games 49ers mm-hmm. titans
2: mm-hmm. jags mm.
1: you get four options three and two and one one and two or oh and three and if you say oh and three we'll just end the end the show right
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right so in all three of these games you have the better coach and the better quarterback now kyle shanahan is really really good Yep. But I think Andy Reid is slightly better. Um, Nick,
1: they might get their dudes back. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa yep. might be back for this game.
2: Correct. Uh, I want to say 3-0, and like <laughs> just on like initial reaction. Because Andy Reid coming off a bye week. So you have to include that in, in, into the mix. Um, the Jaguars are not as good as I thought they would be this far into the season. Um it's interesting, man. I think one of the more inconsistent players has been, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and yeah. uh, they haven't played in Arrowhead Stadium. So I, I want to give the advantage to the Chiefs in that in that game. Um, I don't know what motivated
1: to Doug Peterson.
2: Yeah, true, but but I don't know what I to like make Doug. of Tennessee. Like, I, I is Tennessee good? Uh, I uh,
1: wasn't what we thought they were going to be. The entire Chiefs schedule. Wasn't necessarily, exactly. yeah. not just the division, but I think <clears throat> I saw a tweet earlier today that, you know, the Chiefs have the 13th easiest remaining schedule from here on out. And you look at the schedule and even starting with those three, and I looked through the rest of it, really not. I mean, he like mm-hmm. maybe they figured some stuff out with a shotgun, throwing the ball around with Joe Burrow, but like right Zach Taylor, like that's just been kind of a mess so far this year. Mm-hmm. So nothing really looks even close to as difficult as the first six weeks for the Chiefs.
2: Right, and um, I just don't know how many times you're going to see Mahomes have a uneven game or a game where he's yeah. great one moment and like not so great the next, or he's great one moment and he's getting pressured into making a mistake at the end of the game. I don't know how many times you're going to see that this season. So I think my initial reaction, BJ, is to say 3-0, and um, but I do understand that probably the hardest opponent in this three-game stretch is Sunday against the 49ers. Now, here's a stat that I'm not sure everybody under like everybody knows or is like comprehended or tried to understand, like huh? But the Chiefs only have one interception this season.
1: Oh, it was a big one!
2: It was a big one, it was a gigantic
1: <laughs> one. Looking back, it was a huge, huge, huge <laughs> interception.
2: It's why you're it's it's partly why you're number one in the AFC West yet again through six weeks. But they only have one interception. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he can throw some interceptions here and there. Obviously, the Chiefs saw that in Super Bowl 54. So I want the secondary, if Trent McDuffie comes back, to just play a little bit better, maybe create, you know, get that mindset of creating turnovers if you have the opportunity to do so. Um, but if if the 49ers stay on their game script, then yeah, this can be a really interesting, fun, close game in the fourth quarter. The obvious game script for the Chiefs is to dominate early get up two scores maybe get that turnover early yeah. and force Jimmy Garoppolo into clear drop back situations where he still is somewhat inconsistent at times Now he can deliver a pretty ball um if a guy is ski open and he is open and there's the threat of running the football and he has obviously better protection with Trent Williams covering his backside but um I think the 49ers are probably the harder team but there is a path yeah. to a pretty comfortable victory at the same time. But it does depend on the Chiefs' defense at some point this season catching more than one pass from the opposing quarterback.
1: For sure. I think Those are great points. And, yeah, I, I agree with you that of those three, San Francisco, because of Shanahan, uh, they've got some some pieces and the other group. You have no idea what to make of the Titans. Uh, and the Jags just I, I inconsistent just, with I a can't. young quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. can't. I mean, like,
2: <laughs> sometimes you're just like, do I even want to watch that game? Do I even want to look at their stats? I mean, like, what are they? Like, yeah, this ugh. is
1: Chiefs go out and take care of business. Uh, they're going to roll off a stretch of wins here. We see it every single year. Um, they get into a groove at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? End of October for Spagnolo. It's always that first like six weeks kind of all over the place. And then they hit a, hit a groove and get it going. But yeah, getting Willie Gay back, getting these young guys, they're going to be getting better. Um, get consistent. We need to get our guy, my guy at least. I'm going to. Keep wearing this one, but the George Karloftis. We need to get mm-hmm. back. We need to get some get some quarterbacks on the ground uh, to hit that you know rookie sack record that I talk so much about.
2: Now this is to George Karloftis' <laughs> point. This is this is me, I guess, advocating for him on his behalf. Unlike the Bills, or excuse me, unlike the Broncos, who played like Davis Mills and who played like a, a an improved Geno Smith. Hey, yeah. you did do well against Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan's not—he's not, he's not oh, yeah. great, guys. He's not good anymore. George Callaworthis has probably played the most athletically gifted set of quarterbacks to start his NFL career than I think most people yeah. realize. Like it's Kyler Murray, which all you tell your DNs is don't 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 get embarrassed. Like <laughs> don't don't like just contain him. That was the biggest thing in Week One, and they did that. Week two is Justin Herbert, and it's just like, good luck trying to sack this man. And, of course, the the Chargers had a better offensive line at the time. But, hey, like, he's a freak. (laughs) Like, uh, there was a moment early in the game on Sunday, if you want to rewatch Chiefs-Bills again, where George Coloptis is like, I'm in the proper spot. I got my rush lane. Josh Allen is right in my sights. Why is he running away from me? And that's just that that's how hard it is, kids, to to get a sack of Josh Allen. You know, um, that's how great Chris Jones is because he actually won a rare one-on-one on third down and 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 obviously got to the quarterback. But for George Kyloftis, you would think maybe the difficulty level from the opposing quarterback sort of gets more to like normal NFL levels. Yeah. So we, Um, all we
1: need to do is average one sack a game from here on out and we'll hit that record that we talked about. So
2: yeah. And look, he did, he did get, he did get to hit Derek Carr, you know, who is not those guys that I talked about earlier. There might be more (laughs) Derek Carr's than Josh Allen's
1: like Jimmy Garoppolo's.
2: Yeah. As you move forward through the season, um, yeah, there will be. Hope, no and if better... Trent
1: Williams doesn't play, <laughs> well, you're right. He's the best but... left tackle, maybe he'd ever play. So. Yeah, or at least he's up there.
2: Yeah, so I mean, like, there's, there's, there's still opportunity for him to grow and get better production. Yeah. But when I really do think about like all these rookies and what they're going through, for George, it was so fascinating because it's just like, yeah, man, like, um. The most statuesque quarterback you've played is Matt Ryan, and y'all got all the sacks in that game. You you personally did it, but that was the most productive game they had rushing the quarterback because wow. he was a statue. And now everybody else is scrambling or making life really difficult. Um, and I just you know, hey, ask and, Justin Reed. Just hey, Justin, perfect spot. We're gonna we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn I'm gonna I'm gonna end this run. Why is he hurdling me for for seven more yards?
1: How? Yeah, you know. And, Here's a good question for you because it's not making excuses for George Karloftis on the field because overall, I think he's played well. He hasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily brought the quarterback down, but he's had the pressures, the disruption, uh, Mm -hmm. no qualms about how he's played. The receipts are starting to pop up as people are talking about the fast rushing. they are like, wait a second. BJ said that this guy was going to do this. (laughs) One thing might be worth asking Spags and for you know you guys who are there every day or asking Karloftis about this. And I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there that yeah. in a lot of these blitz situations, as much as the Chiefs are blitzing, and they were blitzing almost 50% of the time, uh, it seemed like against Josh Allen, looking at some of the PFF numbers afterwards. But when they're calling some of these defensive back blitzes and sending Snead and all these guys from all over the place, a lot of the times, the edge rusher's job is to occupy the offensive line. That whether yes. the tackle, the guard come across the face. Where yep. yes, they might clean up a sack here and there, but their job is to basically create a free lane for Snead to do his job. And so that yep. can affect his ability in some of these obvious passing situations and not bringing down the quarterback. So,
2: yep, you You're, smart
1: people that are there every time ask these yep. questions.
2: You, you are spot on because you essentially become furniture and you become a framework, right? <laughs> you are the frame of which we are, we are structuring the blitz. So if we got, you know, if it's a six man protection, seven man protection, um, Hey, if that, if that running back, you know, flattens out or goes into the flat, maybe your framework changes where you want to make sure that you're staying with him because obviously there are people coming behind you going to the quarterback. But if, if the protection sort of stays where it is, and you've manipulated the protection to your advantage, then, yeah, yeah. you essentially become f- furniture or you become a frame for everything to sort of build off of. And I and it doesn't sound fun, and I think people get upset about Frank Clark because they're like, why isn't he giving second and third efforts? But it's like, the frame doesn't work if he's outside the frame. Yeah. If he If we blitz and I'm supposed to be on a certain frame, if Josh Allen gets behind me, there's nobody. Because it's either cover zero or cover one. So I think for some fans, it's hard to sort of understand that. But it's like, yeah, Frank Clark did his job because he's now occupied the tackle. Or George Coloptis has done it because he's occupied the tackle or the tight end or the running back. And now you got to stay. Because if you you over-pursue or if you take that, you know, poor Joshua Williams, he got home on a blitz (laughs) largely because of this. He got home on a blitz because – the framework was put in place and now we have a free runner and he took his shot and josh allen was like son let me just move up out the way <laughs> and he scrambled for like i don't know 6 or 7 yards but it's like well sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't <laughs> but that's the other not guys on on the s- de- yeah that's the not guys on, the, on scholarship that too. the yeah that's not the defensive lines problem that's not the coordinator's problem it ain't even the cornerback's problem Sometimes yeah. the dude's just great, man. And and, and, and luckily Josh they blitz see had...
1: that in practice every day. Sometimes yeah. you're just like, you know what? That guy's pretty damn good.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's a first half blitz. It's perfectly drawn up. They 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 can only protect so much, and and Josh Allen's just like, well, I'll just I'll just tilt the game back in our in our favor because he's just He's great. He's, 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 he's better than Justin Herbert is. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be the case this season. And I am, I am, I'm happy to be surprised by this development that he's improved at a faster rate than, than Justin Herbert has so far. Mahomes
1: and Allen are on a different tier than everyone else. It it has become very obvious. And uh, Nate, you are on a different tier than everyone else. And that's how we are going to wrap up this show. That is him. You can find him on Twitter at, by nate taylor we appreciate your time and that's all we've got for today's kcs update we appreciate everybody for stopping by whether you're watching on youtube or listening to the podcast thank you for your support of what we got going on we'll have plenty more good content throughout the week to get you ready for chiefs and 49ers sunday afternoon 325 local time um or i should say central standard time uh from san francisco so thank you everybody for tuning in we'll see you all next time